We will get right to it, thinking about three gifts. Lord God, open our hearts to hear through thy word to us draw near. Let us thy word ere pure retain. Let us thy children and heirs remain. Amen. I didn't say it this evening, but I should. Merry Christmas. Oh, you're going to reply. Good for you. The season continues, you know. Have you been counting? This is what, the seventh day of Christmas. A lot of people don't go there, don't think about that. But we've got 12 days to focus on that great gift. And so, what did you get? What did your true love offer? Seven swans, a swimming? Uh, Probably not. Well, I would wonder, and you could probably answer, how many gifts you got for Christmas. Maybe not 12, but there's a lot of people who count their gifts or remember at least how many they've received. The kids do that. Talk to them, you'll find out. And there's some adults who still do that as well. No matter what Christmas brings, we all have a lot of gifts all the time. But I want to talk about some gifts that are not physical, but I want to speak about at least three gifts that are intangible, that you can't put your fingers on, but are very much true, very real. And while the wise men brought three gifts to the young child Jesus, and we'll talk about that shortly, not tonight, we stand at the end of a year and with a new year approaching, three important gifts come to my mind. I don't know about yours, but we'll talk about these three. Reminds me of a false god, a Roman god, by the name of Janus, J-A-N-U-S. I don't know if you've ever heard of that god, a false god, or not. He was a god of transitions. Go figure. And he had two faces. If you've ever seen a picture, he has one face facing this way and back to back another face facing that way, looking both ways at the same time. That's probably why January was named after him, because that's what we do. We look backwards and forwards when we come to this point of the year. So, well, let's look backwards first. There is, in our past, forgiveness. Listen to what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1. That you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
And later in that same letter to the Colossians, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Many things God spoke here through the Apostle Paul. But let's focus on one, that being forgiveness. Forgiveness for the past. That's where our face first looks, at least figuratively speaking, to the past. And I I hope and pray it's to forgiveness as well. Now, we have a popular version of forgiveness that's going around. Well, you see it in the movies. You see it on television. And somebody wrongs somebody else. And the, the person that was wronged often finds it difficult to forgive. In fact, that person will say to the wrongdoer, I can't forgive you. And maybe would if that person will do something to make up for the wrong that has been done. And quite frankly, that is not forgiveness at all. It's a perversion. It's a misunderstanding. It's absolutely 180 degrees in the wrong direction. Forgiveness is a gift. Forgiveness is given not because somebody deserves it, but it's given because that person doesn't deserve it. There's much that could be said about forgiveness, but if one has to merit so-called forgiveness, it's no forgiveness at all. Think about God in yourself. Does he demand anything? Does he require anything of you or me in order for him to forgive? No. In fact, he forgives in spite, in spite of what we have done. He forgives for only one reason, one good reason, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reason for God's forgiveness, the one reason, the only reason. Ephesians 1 declares, you and I have it. It's ours through faith in Jesus Christ. That one reason, we have forgiveness as we look at the past. Present too, but thinking about the past, we have forgiveness. We can look over our shoulders and of all the things we remember, the things we failed with, well, we've confessed them, but you are forgiven. God has forgiven you those things and now it's time to move on. In a year, at a year's turning, we do it. And day by day, we can do it as well. We are invited. Somebody was once a priest who was a father confessor to someone else. And that one confessed sins to the, to the first. And someone asked that first priest, 
what the sins of the father were. He said, I don't know. They're gone. They're forgiven. They're no longer there. That's exactly as you have been forgiven. We talk about forgive and forget. Well, we can never forget. There's always something about it that is in the back of our mind. But it doesn't have a force. It doesn't have teeth. It doesn't hold because we are forgiven. God forgives and forgets. He puts it behind us and he gives us new life. That's why Paul in Romans chapter 4 could say, to be forgiven is to be blessed by God. There's no doubt. God has forgiven you. Forgiven you. You are free. What's important is not what's behind you, but what's in front of you is what is really important. And that's where God leads. That's where God leads. And understand one more thing about this. As much as could be said about forgiveness. As much as God forgives at individual moments, forgiveness is a relationship we have with God. A guarantee. We live in the relationship of forgiveness. Think about that as we sing.